Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, my name is Shannon. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Everybody, welcome to the panel on lust. And I'm assuming it's cunning, bad, and powerful. Okay. I'll be the moderator for this panel. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the essay message, this session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during this session. If you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate by listening. Please do not tamper with the recording equipment. Everybody clear on that? We will begin the meeting with a few moments of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. Would someone please read the essay purpose from page 201 in the white book? Can you have their white book? Here, just read it from that. Um, okay, sure. My name is David. I'm a sexaholic. I think David. Essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problems and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect. Denomination, politics, organization, or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. The panelists for this session are Graham, Mark, and Anthony. Each will share for 10 minutes on the topic. We will then open the meeting for sharing. Please join me in welcoming the panelists. Hey, Leah. Good morning, everybody. Mark C., sexaholic. Hey, Mark. Uh, sober since August 18, 2014. Um... Five and a half years ago, I was a total wreck. This friend next to me can attest to that. I was immature. I was uh, a grandiose thinking. I've made a mess of my life. Uh, and I've come a long way since then, you know. We're going to talk about lust, cunning, baffling, and powerful. I'm less baffled than I used to be because I understand how lust works on me. Uh, and I'm not free of lust by any means. Uh, Lust is, uh, it's always close by, even if I think it's not. Um, I'm still amazed, you know, this far in sometimes what pops into my head, you know. I, uh, very unhelpful things. I don't act on them, but they're very unhelpful. 
And uh, I liken it to at a meeting the other night I shared it was I'm like I feel like I have malware, you know, <laughs> got in my brain. And uh, unwanted pop-ups happen frequently, and I close them uh, more often than not. Hopefully, I don't leave them open too long. Sometimes I disappoint myself. I leave those pop-ups open too long and entertain them. I'm trying very hard not to do that. So, but I'm less baffled. I see it. I have a, a self-awareness to realize, and then I, I don't uh, delude myself that I'm safe. Um, that I'm okay, that I can take sobriety for granted because, um, you know, I don't go into the details, but my mind can just take anything and run with it if I let it. So <clears throat> how do I combat that? How do I maintain sobriety when my brain's still got a problem? Well, the problem, I have a solution for the problem, and it's multi-tiered, and it requires action every day. I'm not... I can't just uh, coast. I know I'll screw up. So starts out first thing in the morning. I, my wife is my partner in this. She's not a sexaholic, but she's here today. Um, we walk. We get up at the same time now. We go pour a cup of coffee. We sit down together. We read some scripture that's important to us throughout the day. Read some meditations. And then we sit silently and meditate, pray. Mind wanders, bring it back. Every time my mind wanders, a chance to turn back to my higher power. And I and I come away from that feeling very centered, calm, just kind of more ready, you know. And then I feel like because I'm doing that, I think during the day, my higher power feels close. It's like so I can reach out any moment during the day and say, well, help, or, well, thank you, thank you. So much to be grateful for. And gratitude is a huge part of that morning for me. I try to start with that. Start with the incredible myriad of things I have to be grateful for in my life. Um, It's unbelievable if you start to really focus on that, focus on gratitude. It just takes away... Um, a lot of my feelings of scarcity or that fear of scarcity or uh, fear of the future, fear of coronavirus, fear of whatever, the stock market, you know, I just know that I'm okay. The more time I spend with God, the more I know I'm okay. I don't have to fix me. I can be sad and that's okay. I can be afraid. That's okay. I'm learning to sit with those emotions, just kind of hold them. And it's me, and those feelings, and it's my higher power. It's closer to me than I am to myself. Uh, so that's a big part. So that having that spiritual connection, making it my first priority of the day, and a go-to resource anytime during the day. So I would say that's the number one thing for me. Now, another thing that I do is, I try to be kind, baffling, and powerful against lust. <laughs> I try to trick the lust, uh, and here's how I do it. I don't say, no, never. I say, oh, not right now. I'm just going to do this. Maybe I'll come back to you later. That's what I do. I really do that. Uh, I have a temptation. I'm in my new seat. I have a temptation to read the story that I don't need to be, because I know it's probably going to have um, racy pictures in it or something. You know, I feel that temptation. I would say... I feel an urge to look at that. But you know what? Right now I'm going to uh, respond to a work email. 
And I don't even say no. I just say, right now I'm going to do this. I take the next right action. That's what I strive to do. Uh, and if, lo and behold, that feeling, more often than not, I lost that urge. You know, I'm driving down the road, and maybe there's a jogger out of the corner of my eye, and uh, I want to take a good hard look. And so I gave myself a 10-second rule. Okay, you can look after 10 seconds. Well, 10 seconds, the person's gone, you know. And I, that feeling, it seems so urgent for that moment that, oh, God, I really want to look around and look. Okay, after 10 seconds. 10 seconds later, that feeling is completely gone. I've forgotten about it. It's so strange how, uh, I mean, that cunning, baffling, and powerful. The lust, uh, it can seem so powerful in the moment. But if I can get past that moment and just make a small choice, suddenly it's like uh, it just evaporates. That has shown me, you know, over time that I can do this. I can keep doing this, you know, but I can only do it one moment at a time. I never say I'll never act out again. I'll, I'll say to my wife, I never want to act out again. I never want to do anything listed. That's the last thing I want to do. I can't say to her, I'll never do it. I don't. I don't think like that. I think like I have tools so that as these things come up, I can deal with it. I can reach out to my higher power. I do many times a day. Not always with problems, but gratitude. Um, and I just try to stay one step ahead of less by literally being try to be more cunning, baffling, and powerful than it is. I'm not, but these little things work, you know, for me. This is what works for me. Moment by moment. It's not about one giant decision. I will never act out again. It's a thousand little decisions that happen all the time of, no, next right thing instead. Next right thing. So, really, that's all I have to share. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. For the Thanks. 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 Yeah. My name's Graham. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I'm a grateful sexaholic. My sobriety date's April 2nd, 2016, and I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be a sexaholic because I don't think that I was, before I came into the rooms and before I um, connected to recovery and, and found a real relationship with my higher power, I don't think I was just about to do all that right before I came into sex, you know, Sexaholics Anonymous. I, I think what was required for me was to come to the end of myself and to realize that I'm powerless over lust. And because of that realization and admission, and because of the program and because of the steps and because of my higher power, I'm grateful for what brought me here. Because I would not have had this without being a sexaholic. I was not about to turn my life around and be the person that I was trying to convince everybody I was. Um, my sobriety date is 2016. I came into the rooms in 2011, and I was a chronic relapser. Um, I was a compulsive, or I was a habitual liar. Um, I spent three to four years in this program um, practicing my character defects in the program. I was... Um, <laughs> so concerned with what other people thought of me and what you thought of me that I wanted to hide. I didn't want to show myself. And so I would go through these repeated cycles of um, despair after acting out or relapsing eventually and 
then having a sense of honesty, having that sense of desperation that would carry me for a little bit. But what would happen for me is um, I would either think that I was powerful over lust again or that I could control and enjoy it, or I would be so afraid of what other people would think of me that I would lie. And I would I would go back into the old me that, that got me what I always got. And um, so the topic of lust, cunning, baffling, and powerful for me... Um, I think a, a real key part of lust that I experience and, and um, I wasn't really aware of until I came into the program is wanting to be lusted after. And, and that can be specifically sexual. It can really be a lot about approval and ar- around getting other people to like me. Um, and that's a lot of what kept me sick and not sober was wanting to be... Um, thought of highly and wanting people to think that I had it all figured out and um, so much of that is ego for me Um, and you know I thought for a long time it was shame and it was fear but it really I think is just the flip side of that same coin it's pride it's thinking well I'm better than this or I can't admit to this and and all that fear is really just my pride and my ego Um, so for me, the fact that our program says the only requirement for SA membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. That is so key for me because just stopping the behavior, stopping acting out is not enough for me because I'm left with a heart that is disconnected and a heart that's still selfish and a heart that is still afraid and resentful. And the behavior is something that I could try and control and something that I could try and um, put up fences around or draw boundaries or whatever. But my heart is really my problem. And, and my experience is that I can't change my heart. I need a heart change. And the steps give me the opportunity to have a heart change. The steps give me an opportunity to connect to God. Um, there's... For me, a helpful sentence or two in the white book um, that I looked it up because I don't, I didn't know exactly where it was. It's on page forty um, in the white book, but it talks about what is lust. There's a whole section in the white book that talks about what is lust, but there's just a couple of lines that in there that say it's a natural instinct demanding. Um, it's gone astray, basically, and I'll quote from it just so I don't misquote it. Um, an attitude demanding that a natural instinct serve a natural desires. So for me, um, I would use lust sexually to make myself feel um, validated or affirmed, to get me out of the moment, to, to numb out whatever fear or pain or resentment I was feeling. Um, but I also used lust in the sense of what the, the problem talks about. Please connect with me and make me whole. And I, and I was wanting someone to give me something, and, and I was, you know, wanting validation from the lust. Um, I and, and it honestly, it was I wanted to take. Um, that's, for me, one of the attributes of lust is that it steals. It's not... I'm not asking consent. I'm not asking for permission when I'm engaging in lust. 
I'm demanding like that definition talks about. And it, it's not um, it's not voluntary on the other person's uh, side. And what's helpful for me in, in the literature that uh, in the solution, it's just a simple framework for me that really boils down in some ways the essence of the program. We turned more and more away from our isolating obsession with sex and self and turn to God and others. And that's so key for me. It just it's it's so simple. <clears throat> Outside of recovery, on my own, without higher power, I'm focused on sex and self. And with with the program and with the steps, it's God and others. It's not taking, it's not stealing from people. I I can give and and I have the ability and, and I have the gift to give from my higher power. Um so, to transition a little bit, one of the things that I saw in the definition of this um, specific topic of lust, cunning, baffling, and powerful had to do with dependency relationships. And I thought that was really interesting, and, and I'm grateful that that's in there because it's a big part of my story as well. Um, when I came into the program, I was um, I got fired from my job for looking at pornography. I was kicked out of my house, separated from my wife. I moved back in with my parents uh, for a time. And um, at that point, my wife was my higher power. I, you know, I, I was doing some version of I'm coming into SA um, not just for my own enlightened self-interest, but also because my higher power is telling me that she's not going to stay married to me if I don't get help. Um, and that was a huge part of my story for a long time, was um, being so afraid of what my wife thought and being so afraid of her disapproval that I really was not free to connect to a real higher power. I really was not, um, I, was, I was dependent on my wife. And um, there's a section in the white book that talks about that, and I just want to read a little bit from that. It's on page 148 in the white book. And there's a heading that says True Union. So this is in step 12 of the White Book. This is kind of buried for me in the back. Um, But it's so key. The second paragraph in the True Union heading says, The great love makers were really love cripples all along and didn't know it. Sex partners were little more than targets to be scored, materialized, fantasies to be tracked down, captured, possessed, and sooner or later discarded. So for me, there's that element of taking from people and needing something from someone that wasn't necessarily voluntary. I would, I would manipulate people to get what I thought I wanted, um, which was validation and, and what I felt like I had to have. Um, that section continues to go on. It says, Often spouses, in addition to being sex objects, were also parent figures and objects of dependency. So what were our chances of learning how to relate normally to anyone when the heart of our relational apparatus was so out of kilter? And this is where, for me, it gets really good. Um, we found that we were just as powerless over trying to relate rightly to others as we had been in putting down our habit. It was part of our habit. Thus, we had to approach it the same way using the steps, the miracle workers. When we did, we could literally watch ourselves grow into true manhood and womanhood. So for me, getting back to that only requirement for membership is the desire to stop lusting. That addresses my heart. And my heart is what has to change for me to recover. And my higher power 
can offer and does offer that heart change for me. It's it's my uh, will that blocks that. It's me that cuts me off from God. Um, but there's what's true for me is that until we find what our lust is really looking for, we don't stop lusting. And that's I say that in the we because that's in the literature. Um, the big book says, um, job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply don't stop drinking, for me, lusting, so long as we place dependence on others ahead of dependence on God. Um, and that's the thing for me, is lust is... Um, it's that disordered desire that I'm using something for something it wasn't made for. And my heart wants to connect with God. And that's what my heart is really looking for, is that validation and that approval and that identity from my higher power. But I can't get that. I can't. My eyes are not open to that while I'm drunk on lust. When I'm engaging and sexually acting out, I have no idea. I'm so in a fog. But I'm grateful for the steps that they can show me inch by inch and day by day the path to connect with a higher power. And when I am connecting with God and I am connected to God and I can find what my heart is really looking for, it's so much more satisfying than the lust that I was always pursuing. And my life is, is incredibly changed and much better because of this program in ways that I couldn't have imagined. And um, that's why I can say that I'm grateful to be a sexaholic today. So thanks for letting me share. My name is Anthony. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, my sobriety day is February 22nd, 2013. Uh, this topic of lust is uh, really great because it, it really uh, boils it down to uh, the most simplistic, uh, basic uh, level. And I think that's where um, I need to focus my recovery. Uh, lust affects me most when I least expect it. Um, I thought my lust was what I pursued. So I thought coming into the program, lust was all about my pursuit of pornography, my particular interests, uh, what I thought of, what I sought out, uh, going to strip clubs. Uh, I like this strip club. I like this dancer. I thought that's what lust was. Um, now I know that lust is... It's a part of me like a, a, a medical condition. It's like a, a heart murmur or it's like a, a high blood pressure, which I have. And it's activated by certain, certain circumstances. So when I'm in a stressful situation like at work or at home, it activates that desire to lust, I find. It, it took me a really long time to get that. Uh, coming into the program... I acted out all the time, so I could never see cause and effect. I was always acting out, so I never knew what triggered it or what caused it or felt any relief. It's just what I did. Um, but now that I've been able to get in the program and stop, now I can see what's, what, what activates it. Uh, you know, HALT, for sure, the acronym we all know, Hungry Anger, uh, Lonely, Tired, uh, but, but there's other things for me. Um, 
Um, and to give you an example of this taking effect, about three weeks ago, I, I asked a co-worker out for lunch. Um, I, I, I went to her office. I was flirting and chatting up and into that mode. Uh, asked her out for lunch, walked out of the office, got back to my desk and was like, why did I do that? I don't even like this person. Uh, she's not attractive to me. I don't like her. You know, um, it was me trying to find some relief. It was me trying to sexualize some of the tension that had been building up uh, in, in my work environment, which is a is a can be a very toxic place at times. Um, <clears throat> But that just reminds me of where lust wants to take me and how uh, the lust that I can uh, have uh, expresses itself. Um, initially, I got my lust through porn. Uh, I am a porn addict. Uh, now I get my lust hits through fantasy and flirting uh, and intrigue. I've, I've been involved in a couple of emotional affairs with uh, some folks and uh, you know I I didn't know that that's what I was pursuing but you know afterwards being able to look back I see now I was looking for the validation I was looking to uh, medicate through the high from the relationship Uh, the desire to be lusted after is is a struggle I have and it uh, drives a lot of that behavior um, what works for me is working my program. Um, for a long time, I, I kind of faked myself out by thinking I had to know all the ins and outs of, of this or that. And I found that that just doesn't work for me. <laughs> so I'm apparently not that smart or uh, self-aware. Uh, but what does work is the program. Just coming to a means, man. I hear guys share and talk, and it's like, yep, I got that. Yeah, what he said. Yeah, ditto to that one. And it, it, it reveals me to me. And it's, it's just so amazing that I get to see myself. And I know I would have never, these things would have never occurred to me. I appreciate what was shared earlier that I was not on my way to being a better me. Uh, I knew about my higher power. I didn't have a much of a relationship at all with my higher power. I just knew of my higher power. Um, felt like I was on the outside looking in. Just couldn't seem to get close, and I thought that's what it was, and uh, didn't realize I was uh, so far away. Um, my acting out had really built a wall around me, and it was doing two things. It was isolating me in and isolating my higher power out. Uh, I didn't know I was so walled off and disconnected from family, from any real meaningful relationships. Um, it's just me in this little dungeon with my choice of acting out. Uh, the key for me has in this whole thing is surrender. Um, and I love being reminded that I, that I need to surrender. Um, I've just found that I can't win when I try to fight lust. Um, it's bigger than me, it's smarter than me, it's faster than me, and I just lose. Um, 
Instead, when I surrender to my higher power and admit that I am lusting, that I am subject to these temptations, uh, that they are attractive to me, that I, I do desire these things, you know, that's such a huge part of my recovery. It's just admitting it. Um, I struggled with that for a long time. I thought to be successful in the program is you don't have temptations. You don't have these desires. I got whooped up and down Peachtree Street with that, and um, it took me a while to realize that that just that wasn't ever going to work. Um, admitting it, it's that first step. Realizing why the first step is the first step. Um, now I know that um, when I can uh, work my program, make phone calls, come to meetings, I don't have to lose to lust. Thanks for letting me share. Y'all, because our uh, common welfare comes first here at the guidelines for sharing during this meeting, we do not cross-talk. That is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the I, not the we or the you. We leave the other our other identities at the door, including politics, religions, <laughs> therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other clubs of issues. We speak about and from the essay point of view. Our meeting focuses on solutions to our essay approach to recovery. Whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not essay or AA-approved literature. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. In sharing, if a speaker brings up a controversial topic or deviates from our guidelines, the moderator will interrupt the speaker and ask them to honor our request. Please note that your shares will be recorded. In sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting. This is not a check-in meeting. If you need to check in, please find a temporary sponsor, someone with a purple stripe on their name tag. After the meeting with whom you can share. We ask those who wish to share to please come up and sit in the chair next to the microphone in a queue. As one person moves to the this is as one person moves to the sharing chair, the others just move over and another person takes the empty chair so that as many members as possible have a chance to share. <laughs> we're real smart. Please limit your sharing to a maximum of two minutes or less. I'll give you a stop sign like this. We'll remind you when to have you reached the two minutes. Please speak into the microphone so that those who listen to the recording can follow the discussion. The meeting is now open for sharing. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Mike. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, my sobriety date's October 2012, um, and I've had a big experience with the cunning, baffling, and powerful, and also the patience of lust. Um, I, the way it showed itself with me was uh, after a number of years of. <clears throat> mostly doing the right thing for myself and my recovery, especially in my case since I'm addicted to porn, is uh, I had been staying away from things on television, Netflix series, that's what whatever contained those uh, triggering things that could lead me deeper down the rabbit hole. Uh, just watching network TV or, you know, certain movies or whatever it may be, the language, the scenes. And I... After a number of years, 
decided I could handle that, that I'm not going to watch that to watch the the sexual part of it. I want to watch the show. The, the storyline interests me. And I'll just uh, try this. And so I got through, okay, that wasn't bad. That scene came and went. I feel fine. And um, so off I went. And little by little, the, the frequency of me seeing those things got more and more. And it, it led up to a couple of months ago, me coming incre- incredibly close to relapse. I had a, after a particular thing I saw, I had a real physical reaction. I, could, I actually felt it in my chest, in my solar plexus. I had a, a, a rush of, I guess it was adrenaline and dopamine. I don't know, but it was, it was a feeling I hadn't felt in over seven years. Um, and when I thought back of, say, watching a couple of Netflix series and they had 10 shows a season and they were, the thing ran for six years and, like, do a little arithmetic, and every one of those shows had minimum of a, one sex scene. Like, I just looked at hundreds of those things. But I kept telling myself, uh, I would justify it by saying, I'm not watching it for that. I'm not watching porn. I'm, I want to... And uh, Lust had the patience to wait me out. So um, I'm, I'm grateful that to uh, get the reminder that I'm, I'm not strong enough to beat it on my own. Thanks. Hey everybody, I'm David. I'm a sex I'm a sexaholic. My sobriety date was uh, is August seventh, two thousand nineteen. Seven months ago today. Um, first of all, I would like to thank all you panelists. Uh, y'all brought up some great things, and I uh, I could relate to everything that was said. Um, one thing I wrote down in my notebook was the 10 second rule. I definitely need that myself because I'm, I still struggle with, you know, the same type of thing, seeing somebody on the street or whatever and wanting to you know, be driving like this. And I, I think that's a great tip and I'm, I'm going to utilize that. Um, and as the previous share talked about TV shows, um, going through that right now um only way i'm combating it is i sit in a swivel chair and anytime this particular series has any kind of sex scene and it has a lot of it i'll swivel and i'll just turn the other way and refuse to look and i'm doing that because my therapist one of my therapists that i go to uh told me about he, he used an analogy of, of driving down the road and and uh, as there's road construction three miles down the road and you start seeing signs that saying you know road construction three miles road construction you know a mile so you start slowing down you start getting aware of, of what's coming so I use those as those roadblocks to my thinking I'm, I'm trying my best to avoid letting my mind go where it used to go uh, because I know it can get in trouble. 
So thanks for letting me share. It's okay. Right. Uh, I'll try and pick you up from there. What did you do for your ego? Did I have the same vision? I like to be uh, noticed, I guess is the word. That's pretty much my, my trigger. So it's failed me so many times, so I'm just trying to figure out what did you do to keep it for this long? Thanks, Leo. I'm Graham. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Graham. So, for me in recovery, there's such a paradox, dichotomy, I don't know what it is, but when I start thinking about what it is that I did, I'm in dangerous territory. Because for me, what I did was relapse, take from people, put myself at the center, um, and what I did is go to meetings and get a sponsor and practice the steps. And I think the difference is um, ultimately for me the difference is surrender. It's the it's the hard attitude. So there are things that I do, but ultimately it's it's God's gift to me uh, that those things connect me to recovery. Um, so some of the things that I do continue to do are practice the steps and um, take daily inventory of myself and and reflect on my day of um, where was I selfish, dishonest, where was I self-seeking, where was I afraid. Um, You know, the steps have given me so many tools for self-examination. And I love what some of the other people have shared around when I was acting out, I had no idea what was going on with me. I I didn't think I had emotions because I just stuffed them all down inside of me. But when I when I stop um, when I attempt to stop acting out and when I start trying to connect to God, a lot of that stuff comes to the top for me and those emotions surface. And so I have a choice whether I try to handle those on my own or if I want to take those to God. Um, and for me, so much of it comes back to working the steps, step four, step giving that away to someone in step five, um, step ten of doing a personal daily inventory. Um, and the the prayer that's in the white book of God, whatever it is I'm looking for in that person, that situation, that desire to be noticed and chosen and affirmed, let me find that in you. And that becomes kind of the jumping off point for me. So I do my inventory and I can look at, okay, what's going on inside of me? Why am I disturbed? What's what's inside of me? And then I can take that to someone and share that with someone in the program and say, I, I'm, I'm bothered, I'm, I'm insecure, I'm resentful. And what does it look like? for God to be powerful over those things. And it and it comes back to me being willing to surrender my idea of how that should happen. Because I always think I know exactly what needs to happen. But the steps tell me, the program tells me that I surrender my right to think I know best and I surrender my will and my life to God. 
And it turns out that God has a lot better things in mind for me than I could have imagined. And he's a lot better at meeting my needs than I ever have been. So thanks, thanks for letting me share. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Hey, y'all, Shannon, sexaholic. Hey, Shannon. Um, Oh, and my sobriety date's February 2019. Um, what was really coming up for me as I'm listening to the sharing and listening to the, the speakers and thanks, y'all. Great job. Um, one of the things that I... There's this line in the big book where it says, like, a certain period of drying, drying out is necessary. Drying out is necessary for the alcoholic. And it says it like... I remember having the sponsor say, read that. And it's like five times or maybe four or whatever. Um, and I was thinking about what was shared by one of the speakers about like, I couldn't see why I was doing it because I kept doing it again, 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 again. And it was so ingrained that this is the way, you know, this is the way I'm going to get my needs met finally. And, um, you know, what, what I'm learning more and more and I see it and it works is, um, it was shared with me a couple months ago. I was having this like, why can't I stop thinking this is going to make it all okay? And one of the women said, you need, I mean, duh, you need connection. And instead of following this thought, it's like, you need to call another woman. And go figure. It totally works. <laughs> I am seeking connection. I'm seeking connection. And it's not from some man lusting after me. I've proven that to myself again and again. And then... The other thing I want to say is I'm also needing connection not only with my higher power but with myself. And what was shared about the emotion thing is like the more time I have away from my acting out, the more time I realize like it was shared I think by all of these guys is like there's an inner tension that's happening. You know, there's something I'm needing and I need to address it inside of myself with myself. Maybe I need another woman or, you know, whatever, professional help, whatever, all those things work for me. But um, the ultimately, it's like this is about me and God and my higher power. And ultimately, um, everything that I'm looking for out there and in this idea of like, oh, if I have blah, 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 then it's going to, everything will be okay. Um, it's, it's so um, empty. And the only thing that really works is if I take responsibility for, like, what's really going on for me? And there's always something. It's always something. And it has nothing to do with being lusted after or getting that or eating more or buying something ever. So um, thanks for letting me share. Really glad to be here. Thanks, Thank you. I'm Mark, sexaholic. Hey, Mark. Hello, Mark. I want to go back to that previous question, uh, if you don't mind, uh, I think, did you say the word ego? Okay. Okay. Yeah, immediately like a little bell went off for me when I heard that, and I totally agree with the, the last shares. Um, I see that old me, pre-recovery, I was desperate to A, be lusted after, but also to be seen as special somehow. I'm a special guy. Everybody wants to know. People admire me. They think I'm great, you know. And I see that that would really had to do with the fact that I felt so deep down, I felt I hadn't was worthless. And that is the truth. And I grew up with that feeling from a really young age, you know, and, uh, and that just carried it. And so um, I would get, as starting as a kid, I would get uh, affirmation for achieving, for doing things that didn't even standing out. That lesson clicked, and uh, the rest of my life I was trying to be a high flyer in various 
arenas, uh, so I'll be noticed and maybe hopefully even be lusted after. Um, so there was kind of a dichotomy that there was two things at once. A, I'm, tr- I, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm so smart. I'm all this, you know. I even have to listen to people because I'm so smart, you know. But down here at the bottom, I'm garbage, you know. Uh, and I even did like nonprofit work, but always it would get contaminated with my ego, right? I'd be seen as doing something good, but meanwhile I'm having an affair. You know? Okay, so I feel that this, uh, on this journey of the last several years, I feel that my higher power has been slowly changing me and uh, letting go of that. And what it really just to, it boils down to where I actually find my value now. And it's not from how many people like me or how much money I have or whether uh, some woman looks at me or whatever. You know, the majority of that has just gone away. Uh, It comes from experiencing uh, the love of God. Not knowledge about God, not, but in my prayer time, I have grown to more and more feel the love of my higher power. An intense, overwhelming love. And once I've experienced that, I really don't need artificial uh, affirmations. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Martin. Hey, guys. I'm Jake. I'm a sexaholic. Sobriety date is October 31st of 2019. Um, lust. Yeah. Cunning. Baffling. Um, I was, you know, growing up, I always thought that, you know, the way I approached sex was, was okay. That everybody else was the one who was messed up. Not until I started going into these rooms, uh, and listen, especially some of the shares I've listened today, how, how my behavior is so messed up. Because I'm not supposed to use profanity. Oh, this is, you know, but, um, but, uh, recently, uh, and, and I just start, I, I just realized, Today, I mean, that even, even was affecting me this morning. Getting ready to come here. Um, recently joined, uh, you know, group to start losing weight. And my wife, who's here, has a good friend that's also here. And apparently, I've never, never met the woman, but my wife had told me that she's gorgeous. And um, that she doesn't want to meet me because it would trigger her and all that. And as I'm getting ready to come here... You know, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I've lost some weight and this and that. And you guys know the fantasizing, right? And I'm just like, I'm doing this for me, I'm doing this for my wife. But then, you know, that lust just keeps on getting in my head. And I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm not going to say it. Messing with me and just tempting me. And uh, I just needed to, I know I'm not supposed to check anything, but it's related to this. So I'm checking that Mm -hmm. in. Trying to surrender it, trying to let it go. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Any question? Um, kind of a long way from the mic there, but um, could you all speak to lust and how it shows up in other areas, like other areas of your life? I feel like cunning and baffling. I, I, I'd be interested to hear your all's thoughts on that. So, the Mark Sexaholic. Hey, Mark. You guys feel free to chime in. 
So the question is uh, about how lust shows up in other parts of life. Do you mean... Uh, like food or... Oh, right, okay. Yeah, That's yeah. what I thought you meant. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, okay so you're talking about lust in terms of non-sexual lust say it's anything that I'm pursuing to change how I feel fix myself something that I'm seeking to try to feel better right usually that's what it is and uh, could be money you know could be that big hit I get when I um you know, have some success financially, and so I get a, win- a windfall of some kind. And uh, yeah, next thing you know, I'm thinking about doing that again somehow. You know, and, and thinking about it. So there's any number of ways. Uh, yeah, lusting after food, lusting after a better car. I'm a musician, so lusting after we have something we call gear lust, where you want the latest, greatest. You know, and you think about it a lot. You know, so all these things are ways of stimulating myself and helping me to avoid the reality of my emotions. So, again, it, it's something I have to be on guard on and be uh, checking myself. And as I was just talking about, knowing what my true value is. Stuff is not it. Money is not it. Not at all. Um, if someone handed me a million dollars today, I, I'm sure it wouldn't make me any happier. For sure. It wouldn't change anything. Thanks, let me share. Thanks, Thanks Martin. Martin. <laughs> okay, I'm Graham. I'm a sexaholic. Um, so for me, going back to the literature is always helpful. It keeps me grounded. Um, and the white book, in that same section that I talked about earlier that talks about what is lust, on page 42, uh, it says, um, toward the bottom there, I see my lust as a force that apparently infuses and distorts my other instincts as well. Eating, drinking, working, anger. I know I have a lust to resent. It seems as strong as sexual lust ever was. In my experience, lust is not physical. It is not even strong sexual desire. It seems to be a spiritual force that distorts my instincts. And whenever let loose in one area seems to want to infect other areas as well. Um, So for me similar to what was previously shared. I mean, there was a period of time where um, I was looking to buy a house and, and that was lust, you know, and just the, the desire and the idea of what was out there. And it was so similar to me to sexual lust. Um, and in a, just in an everyday shape and form, it can come up as um, you know, craving sugar or um, looking for just instant gratification. For me, a couple things that come to mind... Um, I want, I want input. I want information. And there's a real helpful article in the ESSAY, Essays newsletter, and it talks about, I don't have to know. And just surrendering the idea of needing to know information for me is, is part of surrendering lust. Um, but what, so to conclude real quickly though, what the reading in there talks about is that lust is a spiritual force. And I believe that. I've experienced that. I know that to be true for me. And that tells me that I need a spiritual solution. And for me, that goes back to, I guess I sound like a broken record, but God, whatever it is I'm looking for in what, however lust shows up, let me find it in you. Because that's what my heart is after. So yes, I, I see lust show up in a lot of non-sexual ways. 
um, but I still have the same spiritual solution for lust. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Okay, that's all the time we have. Thank you for participating. Please join me in thanking our panel. Yeah. Anything you've heard at this meeting was strictly, is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about it as say yourself. And what you say here, let it stay here. Here, here, here. Remember, we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. Let's circle up, and after a moment of silent meditation, I would like to ask... <laughs> Are you waiting here? He lead us in a prayer of his or his voice. He's coming back if it, it works. It says if we're, it works if you work it, but you have to work it every day and every night. Sober. <laughs> Let's close out with a third step prayer. God, 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 God I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, so I may never do thy will. Take away my difficulties, let them be free over them. And they bear witness as well as I would help. Of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back as it works. If it works, it's a tower here today. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.